Hey everyone, and welcome to History from the Back Pages. I'm your host, Colin Sugg. This week's episode is being recorded off-site and out-of-state in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, one of my favorite places to visit. And I'm excited for this episode because instead of doing a president, which we've been doing so far, we looked at President John Tyler and President Ulysses S. Grant. Now we go back in time to ancient Rome. And we're looking at a historical figure who was emperor of Rome. And many people know at least a few, two or three Roman historical figures they can name on top of their head, such as Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Octavian, Caligula, who was also an emperor. There are many ones you can name, maybe at least a few. And this man was an emperor from a short time but in his rule, he was known as one of the most deadly and evil emperors of Rome. And his name in history books, what he's called is Caracalla. But he was born Lucius Septimus Bassanius. He was alive from 188 AD to 217 AD. And also he was called Antonius as well. And... He was known also as Marcus, Aurelius, Severus, Antonius, Augustus, many different names. And he was Roman Emperor from 198 to 217. He was a member of the Severan dynasty, the oldest son of Septimus Severus and his wife Julia Dama. He also ruled with his dad from 198 until 2000 or 211 so 211 his father Septimus Severus died and there became a power struggle and Caracalla he and his brother Geta were vying to be the emperor of Rome at this time and in order for Caracalla to gain soul and full control he decided to do a master stroke and Many people would say, couldn't he need his rule of his brother? He did not want to. So in one of the most cruel moves, he met with his brother, Geta, and also, according to legend, his mother as well, Julia Damana. And in front of his mother, Julia, he assassinated his own brother, Geta, in, 2000, in 209. So in 209, he killed his brother, Geta and became the full emperor of Rome. And Caracalla did some things that have been known as ruthless and tyrannical as well. Also, he did some things that were of note that are not as cruel and vicious. He started something called the Antone Constitution also known as the Edict of Caracalla, which granted Roman citizenship to all free men throughout the Roman Empire, which this was a good thing. It gave all enfranchised men, Caracalla's adopted, Pharaoh and Noman Marcus Aurelius. Domestically, he became known for also the construction of the Baths of Caracalla, which was the second biggest baths at this time, and today, they're currently closed due to the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic, but 
I believe you can visit the ruins of the Karakarov Baths today. And also, he introduced new currency called the Antonius, a sort of double denarii. And for the massacres, he also did was not good. So keep in mind, things he did was Roman citizenship to all free men in the Roman Empire gave more rights to enfranchised men, also instructed the Baths of Karakawa, and did some more help with introducing new Roman currency. But ancient sources don't show him completely kindly. He did those things which are looked at as a success, successful, but some of the things he did were not good. And if you're wondering why he was named Karakawa, how did he get that nickname? It's because he loved to wear a hood, a Kagalic hood, hooded tunic called Karakawa, which was called, so he took that as the name, and that became that his name, and he made it fashionable. <laughs> And Karakawa, besides killing his own brother in front of his own mother, he also was furious for he was forced to enter into a arranged marriage. Because in 202 AD, he was forced to marry the daughter of Gaius Fulvus Plotinius. Her name was Fulvia Platilla, a woman he despised, hated, could not stand the sight of her. And I couldn't find any historical reasonings anywhere I looked why he despised her or hated her. So only Karakawa knew why he hated her. No one else knows. But he had a deep hatred for her. And in 205 AD, he had her own father executed for treason. But according to ancient documents and sources, it is assumed that Karakawa fabricated the whole thing and had him executed for no reason and then in 205 he also had his wife banished from the Roman Empire and most people say he's his own assassins killed her which this man is just horrible I don't know what his reasons are for this these events so like I said he had his own brother killed they had done some work for example before he was murdered, Gaeta was murdered. They did a campaign in Caledonia after concluding a peace with the Caledonians near Hadrian's Wall. Also, Karkawa and Gaeta considered dividing the empire in half. Karkawa ruled the west, Gaeta the east, but their mother said this was foolish. And the meeting, how it took place, the assassination of Vita, was their own mother said they should meet in 211, towards the end of 211 near Christmas time. But then, the Praetorian guard who were loyal to Karakawa killed Vita in his mom, mother's arms. And most people, historians, say that Karakawa did it himself, ordered the assassination, which I can believe that from what he's done with his wife. Her, his father-in-law and his brother and 
A lot of historians say he did a great job of removing Goethe from all the history books. His likeness was removed from paintings, coins, destroyed, statues, records from the record books, all papyrus records gone. Goethe was nowhere to be seen. And anyone who had association with Goethe, be it friends, loyal advisors, military staff, all were immediately executed. So there was no chance of a revolt, a coup, rebellion, someone working under Gita saying he assassinated, I need to take over. He basically wiped out any chance of being taken out by Gita's followers. And about 213 AD, about two years or a year after Gita's death, Karkawa left Rome never to come back. This t- at this time, he went to fight in battles and war in the German frontier to fight Germanic tribes. He defeated some of the Germanic tribes during 213 to 214 AD. Karkawa was good with the military strength and frontier vocations in Germany. And historian Edward Gibbon compares Karkawa to emperors such as Hadrian, who spent their careers campaigning but also to tyrants, such as Nero and Domitian, who were bad. And what else did Karakawa do? There's also a talk that Karakawa was had a kind of in love obsession with a historical figure in the past, Alexander the Great. Some historians say Karakawa wanted to become the next Alexander the Great by his style. And on one military article I found, it talked about how Karakawa wanted to change the battle style the Romans were doing. Because at this time, Romans did their Roman legions. They have the legions. They do their testudo formation where they have the legion. Then the legionaries are in their lines. In case arrows are coming, they put the shields up so it protects them from arrow fire. And what row of people are in front in columns. And the Roman legionaries are prepared to fight. This is a good formation for defensive purposes. It's not the greatest offensive formation. All times you have to get out of the testudo to actually do some damage offensively. But Testudo was successful in many of the battles it was used. But Karakawa, due to his insane obsession with Alexander the Great, decided he wanted to use the Phalanx Formation, which is a far different formation. For example, Alexander the Great, so Macedonia, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, were well known for their Phalanx Formation that helped them in many battles. And the phalanx is best used with pikes or spears, not short swords, which the Roman legionaries were using. So he wanted to use the phalanx. And this was outdated by this time in AD. So all the historians say they're confused of why he wanted to do that, especially since Rome did not have many pikemen. And the best spearmen they had were the triarii, who did not use the phalanx formation but he wanted it installed and people says this was odd 
and Caracalga also went to Egypt to learn more about Alexander the Great, see what he did, talk to people who knew him. Well, not knew him, of course, but I knew of him historically. And this was odd. Also, there were some plays and satires made to make fun of Caracalga due to he killed his brother Gaeta and self-defense was a lie. And Caracalga, of course, looted Alexandria when he got there. Let's see, a little bit more about Karakawa. His mother was heavily involved as well. She had a big influence on him as emperor and gave him much advice, bad or good. And he was also a friend of the military, Karakawa was. He paid, the annual pay was raised from 2,000, which is about 500 denarii, to 675 to 750 denarii. He lavished many of the army soldiers. And according to legend, his father, when he was about to die, on his deathbed told him he must take care of the soldiers and nor everyone else. And he did trust soldiers greatly. Karakawa trusted the military. And this might be one reason why he did not see his own death coming and Karakawa fought in some wars he did the baths he was not liked by Rome many people were not fans of his for his vile and tyrannical rule and now we're getting to the end of his life in 216 AD he went to Parthia to fight in the Parthian war and the Parthians were a Eastern people who were great horseback riders. Some of the coolest horse battles were done with the Parthians. They utilized horse archers. And I like learning about Parthia. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about Parthia, I'd recommend one of the Rome Total War games, Rome Total War 2 or 1, because you can play as Parthia. And the games do a pretty good job realistically, especially the second one, talking more about Parthia. Because now Parthia is not no longer a country. By the time it was a big empire that became under control of Rome. And Karakawa wanted to fight against the Parthians. So he marched to Parthia from Egypt. And by 216, the battles had become done. But then he wanted to go attack Parthia again. And now we get to the final life, final year of his life. In 217, Karakawa was still in Parthia, traveling near Karahi, which, interesting fact, this was where in 53 BC, one of the most lopsided and biggest greatest defeats in Roman history occurred at Karahi in 53 BC, when a Roman leader decided to not listen to Armenia and his allies who told him it was a big mistake to go into Parthian lands and march in their legionary formations. He made grave mistakes and this was in 53 BC where 
a big lopsided victory occurred when Marcus Lucinius Crassus, who was the leader of the Roman army at this time, who was in this Kirhi, decided to send his horses too far ahead, and the Parthian Empire slaughtered all of his men in one of the most devastating Roman losses ever. So at this time, this is where Karakawa was based near the site of that war. And stupidly, Karakawa, according to legend, decided to go into the bushes by himself without any guards, without anyone. And he was approached by a soldier, Justin Martalis. And Mr. Martalis then assassinated Karakawa. And according to the legend, his reason for this was that he had been refused the position of centurion and the Praetorian guard. Marcianus, Karakawa's successor, saw the opportunity to use Martalis to become emperor himself. And in the immediate aftermath, Martalis was gone. He was immediately assassinated as well. And Marcianus, who became the new successor, declared himself emperor with the support of all the Praetorian guards and the Roman army, and Karakawa was gone. And there's still surviving denarii and coins with Karakawa's face on them and statues as well, which you can see in different locations. And Karakawa, towards the end of his life, 2011, 211, I keep saying 2011, I mean 211. 211 had a short beard. There's not that many surviving photos of him, of course, because this is back long ago, so it'd have to be by painting or statue or by his na- his face inscribed into a coin. And Karakawa was assassinated. And he accomplished some things. He's known as one of the most vicious emperors. I don't know if I would say he, he's the vicious, most vicious. There are ones that are far worse, far more tyrannical. But he does deserve to be talked about for what he did as emperor of Rome for a short time. And according to some legend, some interesting historical fact, his memory became more talked about entering the 18th century due to French painters painting and learning more about him, which is interesting. And he's had a reputation of being one of the worst emperors, which is saying something. There have been very bad ones. And though his life was short, his rule was short, and he did some acts that made him notable, he was not successful outside of the few things he did. So this is my episode on Roman Emperor Caracalla, born Lucius Septimus Bassanius, 
or known as Marcus Aurelius Severus Antonius Augustus, Roman Emperor from 198 to 217, and sole ruler from 211 to 217 AD. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode. See you next week on History from the Back Pages. Excited for an upcoming episode next week. Bye.